1: This potentially being your last game at Heinz Field. You know, signs are pointing to it being the last one. Ben under center. This is the Rich Eisen Show. All I want to do is win the game. That's all that matters to me. Final
2: score, Pittsburgh 26, Cleveland 14. The Rich Eisen Show. Thank you to all the fans and everybody. everybody.
0: I just don't see them hanging it
2: up. Today's gasps.
0: From NBC Sports, Peter King. Chargers head coach, Brandon Staley. Plus, Pro Football Hall of Famer, Kurt Warner. And now, it's Rich well, Eisen. Well,
1: yes, everybody. It's another edition of the Rich Eisen Show because it's a Tuesday and it's the type of day that we like to be on the air. Uh, you know, we're we're, we're, we're not very uh, discriminatory <laughs> yeah. when it comes to days of the week. I mean, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, a Monday. Ah, well, you know, Saturday and Sunday, we're not on the air, but th- don't hold that against us. We would be. You know, I have another job, too, sometimes, and... Uh, Anyway, hey, welcome to this program. I don't know where that start came from. Good to see you, Chris Brock. Uh, this is
0: not my final home game. I just want to point that
1: out. Oh, this is good. There's not, another week next week. Not my final home That's game. That's getting another week next week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Terrific. And I'll, I, I would say I'll know that you're done, by you The fact that you just take off your shirt and leave, but yeah. you'd <laughs> like to take your shirt off.
2: So you're like do the Bert Kreischer of the Rich Eisen show. Sure. Over there.
1: I'll take it. How are you, Mike Del I'm doing well, you? Rich. Good morning. good morning. Good morning. T.J. Jefferson, how long are you, sir? Good to see you, Rich. I am
2: super tired. I was up till like 3 a.m. watching Wrestle Kingdom 16 from Tokyo, Japan this morning. Are you serious? Yeah, it was it was
1: rough. Are you serious? What has happened?
2: I was up late. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's from live from Tokyo Dome and Tokyo, Japan. Uh, don't didn't to, start till midnight.
1: It, the home of the Buster Douglas knockout of Mike Tyson. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Yeah.
2: Wrestle Kingdom, New Japan. Let's go. So
1: that's so it's, it's Buster Douglas beats Mike Tyson here and now. What, what's it called? Wrestle Kingdom. Wrestle, Wrestle is it, Kingdom. Does it yeah. just does it come close to the the shocker of Buster beating Mike Tyson?
2: I don't think anything comes close to that. Okay. No. Did yeah.
1: that happen in the Tokyo Dome, or I just know it happened I, in Tokyo? No, I, I think you're
2: right. think you. Right.
1: Yeah. At any rate, uh, welcome to the show. Should we start again? <laughs> Here on NBC Sports on Peacock. I may take my shirt and walk off. Careful hey. now. Hey. Careful now. Careful now. You
0: going to the Nets game tonight?
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Big Ben is a victorious quarterback in his final home game at Heinz Field. Told you guys. And, uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> I know you said you, you told I us. Did, it wouldn't
0: be close. That game should have been 40 to nothing. It the was, Browns
1: stink. It was ugly, man. Jeez. It was ugly. It wasn't pretty. Even Big Ben admitted as such last night, but it doesn't matter. <sighs> Because the 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 pretty uh, part of it was the walk off, you know. Yeah, that was cool. The walk off, because he told us, um, and the, I guess I'm using the royal we since I was the one who talked to him. But he it, for Westwood one, but we replayed it on this show yesterday. You speak for all of us. I, thank you very much. Yeah. He he did say that he was going to disappear when he's done, mm-hmm. and um, that shot of him walking down the tunnel holding his wife's hand and then one hand of one of his three kids who were then holding the hands of everybody else in the world, like five Roethlisberger's walking down the tunnel. That was dope. That shot of them walking away from the camera down the tunnel together as a family. Just the five of them, no cameras following them, no members of the staff just being left alone to have that moment together. That was kind of a that's-all-folks shot right there. And... Um, And the Steelers uh, win a game for Big Ben and for themselves. And Tomlin said he was exhausted by the end of the night. And, uh, you know, again, Ben's numbers, he threw it 46 times for 123 yards. There are a lot of drops. There are a lot of misfires. A lot of two-yard outs. There's a lot of that. (laughs) But the way to win for the Steelers this year, and this is what we were talking about, is a lot of Najee. And whatever T.J. Watt can give you if he's healthy. And when he's healthy, he can give you a lot. And he had five tackles, three for loss, and four sacks. And knocked down a couple balls, too, last night. A full, you know, defensive player of the year single game effort right there. He's a game shy of the sack record. And I know there's going to be a lot of conversation this week, and we'll even have it on this show throughout the week, about what an extra regular season game is now, a 17th regular season game, and what that means for a sack record or a rushing record or a receiving record like Cooper Cup has in his sights. But Watts missed a couple games this year. Yep. And he's still within a sight of breaking Strahan's single-season sack record mark, right? And so... um That's the recipe. And the Steelers are still alive because of it. And just thinking about Roethlisberger, just for me, you know, uh, I interviewed him when he was a kid coming out of Miami of Ohio on the set of NFL Total Access. And uh, he was talking about how he likes to wear number seven because it's Bond, you know. (laughs) And uh, not many people knew about him. I mean, that was the draft in which Eli was the conversation nonstop about would the Chargers really take him when he says, I don't want to be taken. And then there was that kid from NC State by way of the state of Alabama, also available in the draft. And the Giants needed a quarterback, as we know, and they wound up swapping Philip Rivers, who they selected for Eli Manning, and Roethlisberger dropped, and he dropped past the Browns and wound up with the Steelers. And a former Brown, who was a Steeler head coach, took him. And he and Cowher were an interesting blend, to say the least. Ben was the game manager when he started, he was the don't screw it up. He was the kid who got the start out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And I remember Alan Fanica, who he'll share a bus room with, was like, yeah, we're not too excited about a rookie starting. Not too excited about what he's, you know, and our our, our hopes are in, in this kid's hands, and he was dynamite. And then he won the Super Bowl, but as we know, Heinz Ward was the MVP of that Super Bowl. It was Bettis's farewell. Roethlisberger won a second Super Bowl for Pittsburgh. And he should have been the MVP of that game, What's to be mean? very honest with you, because yeah. the th- the catches that Santonio Holmes was making in that game, certainly in the game-winning drive for that game, um, somebody had to throw it to him. <laughs> hey, and Roethlisberger was dynamite. But Holmes was the one who made that catch, and to use the Ohio State phrase for him, dotted the I in the back of the end zone. And he's the... Super Bowl MVP. So you could really make the case that last night was Big Ben's moment about him, for him, and I know there's a lot of people who can't forget all of his off-the-field transgressions and might even be very upset with the way that I'm describing those. Just Google it. But Roethlisberger, you could say last night was his moment about him, for him, love and affection, nothing but love and affection for him in his direction, nationally watched, nationally discussed, nationally revered for the first time in his career. You could really say that. I remember after he won in Detroit for that Super Bowl in which Bettis said farewell and Cower took that dub and we all know he left. And uh, I remember Ben didn't come to our post game um, post game show. We had Bettis, we had Cower, but not the quarterback. And uh, by the way, that was three years in a row to start NFL Network's coverage of uh, the Super Bowl. We didn't get Brady the first year, we didn't get Brady the second year, we didn't get Ben that year, and we're all like, "Is it us? Like, <laughs> was it we're something like sniffing under our arms? Was like it is something is it I us? said? Eli after beating." <laughs> Brady, then the next year was the first. first okay, yeah, because Peyton didn't come the year after that. Because I think he was upset that Dion talked about how the Colts steal signs in our pregame show. I think he was not happy about that. Then the next year, Eli was the first guy to ever show up. We're like, what's going on? But anyway, Ben didn't show up <laughs> because he didn't have a great game in that Super Bowl. You know? But he they did win in it. Spite of him. Yeah. Well, I know. Well, I mean, he was the game man. And that that was his relationship with Coward, too. It was kind of like when Tomlin came in, he could be now the man as opposed to the kid. And then as the man, they won the Super Bowl. But we're talking about Harrison's pick six. We're talking about Santonio Holmes MVP. That's why last night kind of was that moment. Signs, we love you, Big Ben. Thank you, Big Ben. And then. He and his wife and his family with that beautiful moment down the tunnel. And that's all, folks. Unless, of course, they make the playoffs, which is possible. Not likely, as they say in the business, but possible. And then later on in this program, we're going to give you every last playoff scenario that is now official for Week 18. There's three AFC teams sniffing it, hoping that the Colts and Chargers stumble. Chargers and Raiders on Sunday night football. And head coach Brandon Staley of the Chargers will be joining us in about an hour. Kurt Warner, who called last night's Monday night football game and lost that Super Bowl to Ben Roethlisberger and will give us his two cents on Baker Mayfield. He's in hour number three. Peter King's coming up as well. Let's get to Baker. For a few minutes here. You know, I cape for him. I've been caping for him. Yeah. And for all those who cape for Baker, we didn't have much to say last night. Mm. He said after the game that he is hurt. He needs surgery on his left shoulder. The one that got separated by J.J. Watt. I mean, he's has he seen enough of the Watt family or <laughs> what? Not a fan. J.J. separates his <laughs> left shoulder. T.J. is just... All over him last night. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm West? allergic to just talking about it. Hey, tight. Thank you. And he sacked nine times. By the way, I, I said the number correct, right? That's, uh, that's a lot. He was sacked nonstop last night. The Mannings, Peyton was just In disbelief at how few times they were running Nick Chubb, who apparently has a rib injury of his own he's dealing with. They had a rookie tackle. I mean, the injuries up front and so on and so forth. Everybody's got him. I understand everybody's got him. And Baker clearly has him, too. So why is he playing? Why is he playing is a good question. I think... He's not going to play the final week. I think we're going to see Case Keenum finish up this season. He already basically said he's going to talk to his agent and his wife and his family about this thing. I think enough's enough. The games, you know, last night was a Monday nighter. He wants to play. He's coming off of a four-interception performance in front of the whole country on Christmas Day. Of course he wants to play. He is a gamer. He is a gamer. You got to give it up to him as being a gamer. And he also makes incredible throws that just jump off the screen, and then he'll do stuff like take sacks on third and two when the guy's wide open, a check down right in front of him. There'll be times he'll just airmail it. He's way too inconsistent this year. Way too inconsistent this year is the ultimate. But he's still better than Case Keenum. (laughs) And what is the alternative for Cleveland? What do you do? What do you do if you're the Cleveland Browns? Do you sign him long-term off of this year and him unable to remain healthy? I don't think he can. I think he let him play out his fifth year, which is unfortunate for him. But this was a step-back season, whether it is of his own doing, whether it is of the doing of COVID gods, what football injury gods, his coach taking a step back and some of the play calling is bizarre. One time during the Manning cast last night, Eli couldn't believe they were rolling him out to his left, making him pirouette and spin to his left. He goes, the guy's got an injured left shoulder. He's right-handed. What are you doing? That r- These running plays with Deernest Johnson or Nick Chubb, minus Kareem Hunt. Let's not forget, he was injured for half the year, too. These running plays are working, and they're not running them. Too many question marks to sign him long-term, to give him a contract that's worth $30 million per. And midseason, I was thinking he's the guy definitely for the future, and I would certainly compared to others in his draft class. He, you know, he's a long way from Josh Allen, and he's a long way from Lamar Jackson, and he's ahead of Sam Darnold. He's ahead of Sam Darnold. But, you know, in terms of other quarterbacks that you're wondering are long-term people, you know, like Daniel Jones, you already know Baker's got the gamer in him. He can. He's won a playoff game. He won a playoff game in Heinz Field where he got tarred and feathered and put in a football body bag last night. But if you're a Browns fan thinking you got to move on from him right now, I think you're making a mistake. I think there's a fifth-year option that you got to let him play out and see what Stefanski could do with him and maybe get him another big-game receiver and commit to the run. Certainly, if everything in your passing game is playing off the run, commit to it and hope for better health up front. But this was a disappointing season for the Browns. There's no other way to put it. The step forward was supposed to be like week one, going to Kansas City and winning for this team and franchise in a way you couldn't the previous year and they didn't this year and then everything began to just unravel. Way too inconsistent. Soup to nuts and that includes the quarterback and I might be unfair we don't know how hurt he is. I mean the guy was put together by you know tape and braces and everything. Knees and shoulders I mean hey it's like head shoulders knees and toes like the kids song. You know, but in this day and age where long term second contracts in the NFL start annually for first overall draft choices or MVP players with a high three or a low four. I mean the Browns can't do that right now. They just can't. That pains me to say. It. But I'll always shoot you straight here. Peter King's going to join us coming up next. Lost amongst all the conversation about Week 17 and the Week 18 playoff scenarios, and of course the passing of, of John Madden, was the passing of Dan Reeves. Mm-hmm. Um, who, I'll just say this Dan Reeves, nine Super Bowls Ooh. as a player, assistant, or head coach. Nine. That's the most in the history of the NFL of anybody who's coached and played in the Super Bowl. Two as a player. Three is an assistant, Four is an HC. He also um is the only person with multiple Super Bowl appearances as a coach and a player. No one's ever done that. Also, along with Vic, first head coach to win a road playoff game in Lambo. That's right. Elway's guy, they went to so many mountaintops couldn't make it. You know? Head coach in Atlanta, head coach for the New York Giants, always with a certain level of class and calmness. Also, the first coach to appear <laughs> in an NFL Network promotional ad, <laughs> And uh, the being rich doesn't suck doesn't spot suck. when I was in there in the film room in Atlanta with him and Vic. <laughs> That's great. And I'll never forget meeting him. And he's just like, you know. Welcome to the NFL. What's the NFL Network? <laughs> and I'm like, good question. Uh, I'll let you know when we start. But thanks for doing this spot, coach.
0: He should probably be in the Hall of Fame.
1: Well, right? I mean, you know, he's got the resume for it. It's just that the dubs is DHC is in those spots. Are
0: I had no idea. Lacking. He threw a touchdown in the ice, ice ball. ball. Yes,
1: mm-hmm. in the ice I, ball. That's insane. Yes, it's a, 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 as a, a halfback option, half-back. Correct. A half-back <laughs> option touchdown pass, in the ice bowl for the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, sir.
2: Yeah. You know, he was a quarterback for uh, the Gamecocks in college. So, you know, he wasn't he unfamiliar with throwing 90 the
1: ball. games as a head coach. It's serious, serious <laughs> resume, and um, he passed away. Uh, and we'll talk about him and everything else going on. Uh, certainly the latest with Antonio Brown, who's no longer a buck, except he's still a buck. What's up with that? I've got a couple cents on that as well. But let's take a break. 844-204-Rich is also the number to dial. We're also going to have New Year's resolutions today. Rest in peace for a, a long time also uh, uh, device that used to be uh everywhere. Actually it was discontinued today. We'll let you know about that. So much to talk about here on the show. But Peter King of NBC Sports will be joining us next on the Rich Eisen Show. on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
0: This is the Rich Eisen Show.
1: Show. Back to on the Rich Eisen Show. 844 204 rich number to Doll. Love this man. Love his work. It's must-read material every single Monday morning for Football Morning in America. Joining me here once again on NBC Sports on Peacock is a Hall of Famer. He is Peter King. How are you doing, Peter?
2: Hey, Rich, you know what was really, really fun in my column on Monday? And look, And I get a kick out of these kind of football nerdy things. Going back and seeing how Cooper Cup was scouted and finding out from Les Snead that his first encounter with Cooper Cup was when he was a camper at the Peyton Manning, uh, at the Manning Passing Academy in Thibodeau, Louisiana in 2015. I don't know. Those are things that are just so much fun that – when you're just asking questions and talking to people, you discover little tiny factoids like that, and it just is a lot of fun. That led the Los Angeles Rams, then the St. Louis Rams. That led the Los Angeles Rams in 2017 in Sean McVay's first year to draft Cooper Cup. Um, anyway. No, Peter, I love Peter, Peter. You know, one of the things that no, no, fun for me this week.
1: I love stories like that, Peter. I mean, let's not – Forget that uh, potentially the MVP for a fourth time in this league and back-to-back in this league was a quarterback at Butte College, and Jeff Tedford, yeah. the Cal coach, went to Butte College to look at a tight end there, and he's like, hmm, who's this quarterback that's here? And that's how Aaron Rodgers wound up at Cal, and we all know the rest yeah. is history. And there's so many stories like that. It's I, I love them. I absolutely love stories like that. You know? you
2: know, and how about how about going back to the guy who pre- preceded him to to Brett Favre at Southern Miss, uh, and six weeks before he uh, starts his senior year at Southern Miss, he's in a horrible car wreck, gets thirty inches of in- of his intestine removed. Oh God! Uh, he's playing with a bag, and he goes to Florida. St- was it Florida State? He went somewhere to some huge school and beat him. <laughs> and just, you know. Those are the kind of things that you sort of remember when you think about the really great players. Never mind Tom Brady lasting to the end of the sixth round, uh, you you know, behind uh, Gio Carmazzi. I mean, mean, 100 picks behind Gio Carmazzi, for crying out loud. I know. Everyone's everyone's
1: got a story. So you mentioned Cup, Peter. Where do you stand on the concept of this now 17th regular season game, and records that can be broken with a 17th regular season game. You know, uh, especially, I mean, I saw the Patriots tweeted out that Mac Jones set the the record for uh, touchdown passes by a Patriots rookie breaking Jim Plunkett's record, but somebody pointed out Plunkett did that in 14 regular season games, and and yeah. Mac's done it in 16 with a 17th to boot. So uh, there have been these asterisks for decades. I'm wondering about the newest one in your estimation,
2: Peter. Well, just as uh, you know, when uh, when Roger Maris hit his sixty-first home run, you know to surpass Babe Ruth in more than one hundred and fifty-four games, which is how many games that Babe Ruth—that was the length of the season when Ruth hit sixty. Um, that's just the way a season is now, and mentally you can have an asterisk, asterisk about it because for forty-three seasons, the NFL played sixteen games. And I think it's beyond idiotic that they went to a 17th game when they're always screaming about player safety. Uh, but be that as it may, whatever a guy gets in a season, he got that in a season. And you can mentally think that uh, if for some reason uh, Cooper Cup passes Michael Thomas or or whatever records he sets, you ought to asterisk him. But, I mean, I'm probably not going to do that. I'm going to – make a point that that's, that's just the way it is I mean there could be 17 games for the next 43 years I doubt it but there might be and so I just, I just think that's the way uh, that's the way you have to do it
1: Peter King here on the Rich Eisen show um, I guess I'll use the few good men phrasing if Antonio Brown is no longer a buck then why hasn't he been cut so far what do you make of this Peter what's happening
2: The only thing I can make of it, Rich, and I've done zero reporting on this, but when I heard about this late yesterday, I said the Bucks are most likely consulting with the NFL about how to get out of his contract, get out of paying him, um, you know, as get out of (laughs) trying to trying to pay him the least amount of money that they can, Um, and so. I think it has something to do with that. Rich, I simply can't believe, as, as some have floated, that, hey, who knows, maybe some desperate team knowing that it, <clears throat> it would only be for three or four weeks might uh, just bring them in for the rest of this year. And I just said, man, if I were an owner and my coach said, hey, I know this is a terrible idea and blah, 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 but you know we could really use the help, the owner would say, you know, let's start with your first sentence, this is a terrible idea, and we're not doing it. I I, I hope nobody brings him in. Antonio Brown needs help, not another uh, extension of his football career.
1: Well, I mean, what coach would do that, though? You know what I'm saying? Because um, just look 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 at every single coach. I can't think
2: of one. I, you know? I can't think of one. But if, if for some reason somebody would have that thought, Uh, It needs to be roundly disabused at the moment of conception of that thought.
1: Peter King here uh, on the Rich Eisen Show. Uh, What is the Browns' plan, do you think, for Baker Mayfield now that we've seen an absolute step back from last year with circumstances beyond Baker's control? uh, We have no idea what did happen with Odell Beckham. Uh, We did see what Odell Beckham did for the Rams just last week in Baltimore. Uh, so, what what do you make of Baker Mayfield's future, and what the Browns' plans for him might be?
2: I don't know what the Browns are going to do with Baker Mayfield, but I can tell you what is the only plan to me that makes any sense, and that is have him play next year at his eighteen point eight million dollar one year, uh, you know, uh, contract uh, when they exercise the 50 year option on him. Have him play. Uh, under that contract for one year, and then say, Hey, hopefully we'll have a long term marriage here, but there's no way we can commit to you right now. Um, I think it's obvious that. And if Baker Mayfield takes that as a slap in the face, that's the way it goes. I <laughs> mean, you just, you know, play, sing for your supper, and we'll see what happens a year from now. I don't know how anybody, uh, Andrew Berry, uh, Jimmy Haslam, Kevin Stefanski, could in any way make a serious argument that hey let's sign Baker Mayfield for 5 years and an average of 38 million a year. <laughs> and look, a lot of this his play this year might be because of his injury. There's a very good chance that that's that's possible, but Rich in the last 6 weeks, last 6 games, nine touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 53% completions. That is what you would want to extend. At a trillion dollars a year, uh, leave leave me out of that one.
1: Yeah, I guess you need to see what what, what happens with surgery and then move forward. But um, and if he crushes it next year, then you have the ability to franchise tag him and sign him long term if he wants to stay there. I, I don't know what the relationship is there, right? Or do you? What are you hearing about Baker with the
2: Browns? I think the and what relationship. Ha- I think the relationship is fine. Okay. I, I don't think that is it, Rich, at all. I think it is that, and I'm sure that there are some things, uh, you know, that bother him about whatever has happened in Cleveland in his four years, and there's some things that happen that I'm sure bother the front office, but there's nothing in there to suggest any sort of divorce is imminent. I, I just don't believe it, and I just simply feel right now that, uh, that it would be it would be irresponsible uh, for the Browns to pay him like a franchise quarterback because based on what we've seen we simply don't know. I think to me the crowning blow was the game in Green Bay. That was a game that the Browns could have should have won uh, as crazy as it sounds but Baker Mayfield handed the game to Matt LaFleur on a silver platter and you know, when something like that happens, you just have to say, look, there's a chance that this is injury related, but we can't risk the financial future of this team on a guy that we're not sure about. A
1: few more minutes left with uh, my friend Peter King from NBC Sports, right here on NBC Sports on Peacock, Sirius XM, and also this terrestrial Rich Eisen show radio outfit. Um Much, obviously, made of Big Ben's finale in front of the home folks in Pittsburgh. Did Russell Wilson have an old-school three-touchdown pass game to DK for overall big-time game in front of the 12s as a finale? What do you make of what's the future in Seattle, Peter?
2: I I don't know, Rich. I think, and I hate to keep saying I don't know, but that one is (laughs) a weird one. Because last year at this time... Uh, Russell Wilson was clearly unhappy about what was going on in Seattle. I can't imagine that a, whatever they're going to be, 6-11, and 11, I, I, whatever their record is going to be, I can't imagine this season has soothed Russell Wilson's thought about um, playing the rest of his career in Seattle. And look, uh, John Schneider is, to me, one of the smartest, most progressive general managers uh, who I've ever covered. I think he's really, really bright. He's had his misses, but they all have. Um, and all I know is that John Schneider will not be afraid whatever the outcome is. He's the guy who, you know, uh, came in and told Pete Carroll after the, I think, 2011 Big Ten Championship in Indianapolis uh, when he outdueled Kirk Cousins Uh, I think he came back into the office after that, and he told Pete, we got our quarterback. I mean, we got to go get Russell Wilson in the draft next year. And, you know, so he's not going to be afraid. But whatever they decide, I think a lot of it should be decided by a frank conversation, and not one in the media, but a frank conversation between Wilson and Bo Schneider, and Pete Carroll. Is Pete Carroll going to stay? Um, do they? Uh, do the Seahawks want him to stay? Uh, you know, those are the questions that we just don't know the answers to.
1: Yet. I know, uh, but if you took your best guess, mine would be Pete stays, Russell doesn't. What would that be? That would be
2: my guess. Right. I'm not a big fan of that strategy. <laughs> you know, I would rather have it be the opposite because, quite frankly, it's a lot harder to find a top quarterback than it is to uh, get a coach who you can win with. And, But, you know, hey, we'll, we'll see what happens, and we'll see if the, uh, you know, we'll see what, first of all, we'll see what Pete Carroll wants. I would assume that Pete Carroll would like to stay. He signed for a long time, whatever, the next five years. I, I would think he would want to stay. And we'll see what, what Jody Allen really wants to do at the end of this year and, and then what Russell Wilson wants to do. In the three minutes I
1: have left with you, Peter King, um, lost amongst everything that we just discussed, and of course the, the passing of the iconic John Madden, was the fact that Dan Reeves passed away. Yeah, And I'd love to give you the floor uh, on, on your favorite Reeves story that might uh, lend uh, folks uh, an insight into his legacy in the NFL?
2: My favorite Reeves story is not a football one, but uh, uh, my wife worked at a social welfare agency in New Jersey when I lived in Jersey and Reeves was the coach of the, of the giants. And Dean Reeves was a, uh, was really, really a good person who was like interested in the whole person, uh, both of his players and, People that we knew, and I just happened to mention this one day, and he said, "Hey, anything I can ever do to help—that's such a great thing um, to be helping youth in Newark and in places like that." And I just—I happened to mention. I said, "Well, what would you think about if we tried to auction off a uh, a meal for you, and maybe for um, uh, you know, for uh, whoever bids the most uh, for this for this meal, and the benefits will." You know, the money will go to this agency. And he said, I'd, I'd love to do it. I'll do it. So we did it. We went to a, a nice Italian place and near the stadium. And uh, and the bill comes, and he won't let me pay. And he was magnanimous. He was great. He was a great storyteller talking about the ice bowl and everything. And, and it was great. And two and a half hours later, he walked out, and and uh, it paid the check himself. So he just – You know, a good human being. And Rich, I'll just say this, and I wrote this in my column. I think we at the Hall of Fame, the voters at the Hall of Fame, should really try to push for a little bit of a different way with people like Dan Reeves, because for years it's been if you're a coach, you're judged as a coach. If you're a player, you're judged as a player. So theoretically, Dick LeBeau could not be judged, he could be judged as one or the other, but not both which I think is silly. Dick LeBeau's contributions to the NFL go far beyond his 62 interceptions for the Lions, uh, mostly in the 60s, playing next to Night night Train Lane. But uh, that's how we were supposed to vote. And same with John Madden, you know, voted only as a coach. He's one of the biggest contributors, if not the biggest, in the history of the game. So, in my opinion, Reeves, who threw a touchdown, he threw a touchdown pass, in the ice bowl i think it's not only that he won coach of the year for three different franchises that he led two different franchises to the super bowl uh, i think he has had a very worthy hall of fame career
1: well said peter king happy new year to you and yours let's do this uh very often this next month where all rubber meets road thanks for the time
2: sounds great rich take care
1: that's peter king right here on the rich eisen show yeah, I mean, there's a, a contributor column, you know. There's a coach column. There's a player column. Contributor column is how the Sables got in, for instance, right? Right, Yep. And there's the coach column and the player column, and now there's multiple choices for coach and contributor switching back and forth from year to year, so they're letting more people in. I mean, why not? I mean, they're expanding at the Hall of Fame. It's It's not – that big a deal to let more coaches in. Dick Vermeil has finally gotten to be a finalist. And this guy, I, I know he won a Super Bowl with the Rams and he lost one with the Eagles, but his contributions to the game in terms of his broadcasting, in terms of his nonstop contact with other coaches... And his history, going way back, and all the analytics that you're talking about now, he was one of the first coaches to employ that sort of stuff. I mean, I hope his reaching the finalist level means he's going to get the stamp. He deserves it. And somebody like Reeves does to Coughlin while he's still above ground, you know? I mean, we could go on and on here. There's always going to be snubs for Hall of fames or halls of fame however you want to put it but you know dan reeves may he rest in peace well done there peter king we'll take your phone calls and we come back 844-204-RICH number to dial there is a playoff clinching scenario out there that is some playoff clinching scenario i have not seen in my 18 years of doing this that's coming up next let's talk o'reilly auto parts people or as you might know from their jingle O O O O'Reilly Auto Parts helpful and the best of all friendly stop by O'Reilly auto parts today or visit us at o'reillyauto.com Eisen that's o'reillyauto.com Eisen it's that time of year people spring has sprung and that means spring cleaning or at least
0: This is the Rich Eisen Show.
1: Back here on our terrestrial radio outfit. Um, and we just had a caller on Peacock ask me if I would reorder the 2004 draft class where Eli went one and then Phillip went four, I believe, to the Giants. And they swapped picks a la like an NBA draft. Yep. And then Ben went 12th, uh, 11th. 11, 11, 11. Right. To, um, to the Steelers. Jonathan Vilma. He could have been Look, the Jets man. quarterback. Ben. ben. I was hoping they were going to take him. How about this? Because, again, when I interviewed I Ben Roethlisberger, he walked into the studio wow. at NFL Total Access and he just kept going when he walked through the door. Like, he was monster big. And I'm like, this guy throws on the run, and we were starting to show some Miami of Ohio tape because clearly, uh, mea culpa, I wasn't watching a lot of Miami of Ohio no, football of games. Not.
0: All right, I got one for you. But bigger what if draft scenario for New York sports. Curry goes one ahead of the Knicks. Yeah. Roethlisberger, one ahead of the Jets.
1: Meaning what?
0: Meaning, like, what if they had fallen one more pick oh, to yeah. your team? Oh,
1: okay. So you just want to keep kicking me in the nuts? Is that what you want to do? I just oh, thought, I thought it was it. just like, which one would I yeah. rather have let fall down? Ooh. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, I mean. That's what you mean. Oh, oh, what I mean. I would, Steph Curry in a heartbeat.
0: Over Big Ben and the Jets?
1: Yeah, yeah. So you're a bigger Nick fan than you are a Jets fan? Well at the time I would have taken because at the time when what wasn't wasn't uh, wasn't Chad there? I mean like the Chad Pennington and the Jets had just like they were they had beaten the crap out of Tony Dungy's Peyton Manning Colts in the playoffs. You know, Herm was Herm Herm was, you know you play to win the game, Herm, you know, in two thousand four.
0: Yeah, Jets were eight and five and so 4 So Curry
1: dropping to the Knicks.
0: 0-6. Oh, six.
1: oh please good, ten and six. And 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 Ben is an all-time great in Pittsburgh and he's a, a Hall of Famer, but Curry's like one of the all-time greats, period. Any era, anywhere, anytime. Please, yeah, I mean I just thought of it.
2: I mean, you had Brooks please. Bollinger in two thousand five, Rich, you might. Brooks Bollinger. <laughs> well, I mean, there was the next step was a doozy in 04. <laughs> This is what the greatest thing about sports is. Thank you. (laughs) You play to win the game. Thank you
1: very much. (laughs) But in terms of reordering it, I mean, Ben and and Eli both won two, right? Ben went to a third, lost it to Aaron Rodgers. Um, Ben had off-the-field stuff that Eli never remotely had, but clearly, you know, has turned his life around. I mean, you're talking about the full scope of everything. Ben was a more consistent winner in division year in and year out than Eli was with the Giants. I think
0: think it kind of worked out perfectly for all three teams. Yeah, yeah.
1: Now, this is sports talk radio. Would you train? I, I I mean, that's what I was literally asked a question by a sports talk radio listener. It's
0: funny. Ben and Phil have basically the exact same stats.
1: Man, Phil just never made it to a Super Bowl.
0: Ben Roethlisberger, 417 touchdowns, Philip Rivers 421. Ben has Phil by 400 passing yards. They have the exact same number of interceptions, Damn. Ben plus 1. They put,
1: Ben played 4 more games than Philip. What a class. Unbelievable. I know in the Manincaster talking about the 83 draft in relation to 2004. And in But you're
0: going to get three Hall of Famers in the top 11 picks at quarterback. And I
1: guess Brooks Bollinger would be the the Ken (laughs) O'Brien of that equation. I guess. We don't even bring it up. Todd Blackledge, who we hear in Calling Games, he was part of that class too, man. Tony Eason. Won a national title with Penn State. Tony Eason. All right. Er, I have been doing this thing, this NFL only thing with the NFL network for 18 years, 19 NFL seasons, and I have never seen a week 17, now, week 18 scenario final week of the season scenario, play out like this one. When Pittsburgh won on Monday night, that set up the following playoff scenario for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They have to win their game. We've seen that before, right? And they've got to hope for another loss like the Chargers. I mean, the Colts losing, which is unfortunate for them because they play the Jaguars. they got to hope for another loss. And then they have to hope that the Raiders-Chargers game does not end in a tie. I don't recall ever seeing words like that. Now, Big Ben going to the Baltimore and beating the Ravens, we've seen that before. Yep. The Colts losing to the Jaguars is a tall order, Nordberg. Uh, unlike, That's a tall order, unlike. using a police squad phrase. That's a very tall order. And then they just have to hope that there's a result in the Sunday night football game between the Chargers and the Raiders that is just not a tie. Now... That sets this up. Let's just say the Ravens lose to the Steelers. Let's say the Ravens lose to the Steelers and the Steelers get their win. Let's just say the Jaguars find some sort of, who the hell knows what it would be. Like found it. You can't say found a youth; they're all young. I mean, just whatever it is, they lightning in the old bottle. Whatever idiom you want to come up with. Let's just say the Jaguars beat the Colts. And you'll just say, oh, so what? So the Chargers and the Raiders doesn't end in a tie, Rich. What does that mean? Because what this means is if the Chargers and Raiders do end in a tie, it not only eliminates Pittsburgh, but it puts both the Chargers and the Raiders in. Meaning the win or go-home game, the winner-in-loser-go-home game that the NFL – had dropped in its lap, and NBC has had dropped in its lap because it did not look like we were going to get this scenario. We had Al Michaels on a couple weeks ago, and we were struggling to look over the steering wheel prior to week 16 to identify the game that everybody in the NFL and NBC wants to have. Winner in, loser out. That that game would be rendered moot if the Steelers win and the Colts lose if the Chargers and Raiders decide to just do nothing, like show up on Sunday Night Football and do nothing, nothing, and just tie, <laughs> tie, and people are talking about it, and I'd like to just say this: like, how do y'all see that playing out? Like, the Chargers, Brandon Staley calls up Rich Bisaccia and just says, what? Like, Telesco calls up Mayock and say. How about we just tie? And what, what do you do, what What does that mean? You, everybody just snaps the ball and takes a knee and yep. punts, yep. and then they snap the ball and take knees and punt, uh-huh. and, and then you do that for four quarters in mm-hmm. front of the whole country, and then do that for an entire 10-minute overtime period, and make sure nobody gets a yard for the entire game. <laughs> Is that really the way it's supposed to go? And the wild thing is, um, <laughs> you, you really think so? Like, that's the way it's really supposed to go. I mean, yeah, how I mean, else would you orchestrate this? You don't orchestrate it. Throw a couple
0: of interceptions here and there. What I mean, are don't, you don't talking even do that. About. I
1: mean, it's just... And people are like, well, wh- why wouldn't the Chargers and Raiders both would be... It's mutually assured success. They both success. make the playoffs, yeah, Not exactly. destruction. Success. It's, it's mutually assured success. Hey, we both want to make it, right? right. I want to make it. You want to make it. Let's just not have any competition in front of the whole country. Where, by the way, a huge to-do was made out of one team pulling a starting quarterback in this game last year.
0: <laughs> I think they should just go sit in the middle of the field and just like just clock do what and do what, just like have a there. conversation.
1: Yeah,
2: play paper rock scissors.
1: Yeah, middle of here's field. the wild thing, folks. We've got Brandon Staley coming up in five minutes. <laughs> we get to ask him this idiot question. He Won't he not, be so excited? Not not York. York. Yeah, yes. Do no, you no. have Rich Bisaccia's phone number? My first question to Brandon Staley <laughs> when we come back. <laughs>